was a little bit of deja vu from our experience over the weekend but the good news is we found wi-fi this week and really guys i think that's all we need as we welcome you in to tried and true the dc united post game podcast presented by heineken dc united extending their road trip extending their painful road trip up in new england tonight a 3-1 loss uh, against the new england revolution despite taking the goal in the 10th minute that was a goal by paul Ariola. And uh, actually, yeah, that's right. I'm getting corrected there at the end as I was setting things up. <laughs> it was three to two, Avila scoring late. Uh, but I'll welcome in Joshua Morgan and and Michael Black tonight, guys. First of all, it's great to see you both again. Feels like it's been a minute since we've had gotten to do this. Yeah, it's been a little bit tough. Uh, I was with you in Nashville, John, and you know, life and stuff has kept us all separate for a while, but. Yeah, I'm getting deja vu being back with you guys. I'm getting deja vu going up on the road in an NFL stadium and then <laughs> losing despite scoring two goals. It's it's weird, but great to be back with you guys. It is so great to be back doing a show. You know, obviously there's always challenges, but uh, anytime we get to get on here and talk about it, it's uh, it's always fun. You know, I, I turned the game off after about 12 minutes. Did anything else happen? I think that was a wrap. Three points in the bag. Uh, feeling good coming into the weekend. And, uh, oh, man. So much to talk about, though, uh, in this game. And we have the press conference ready to go here live tonight. Uh, so we'll be, I'm sure Zach will be cutting us off momentarily here as, as we start to get into uh, to the meat of tonight's game. But um, wholesale changes to the roster uh, from, from what we saw in Nashville kind of to kick things off, except for what was. The most surprising to me, John Kempen got another start and goal. It wasn't a disaster class like it was <laughs> last week. I don't know. I, maybe it wasn't a disaster class on TV, but certainly sitting behind him, it looked it looked pretty awful. And then tonight, I was almost ready to say he was doing good, and then that, that last goal was like maybe off his backside. But, yeah, a, a tough one in Nashville for him. Was very surprised to see him get another start, especially with Sites. We know he's at least MLS backup level, um, and and that's what we're playing right now, our backup goalkeeper. But it seemed like Kimpin got the nod, and I don't know about you guys. I, I didn't fault him too much for the first two. Maybe he could have done better on the third one. But, yeah, I, I was definitely surprised. Yeah, I think I agree with you. It was – you know, certainly coming off of Nashville, you know, I don't know if you necessarily look twice at his performance tonight. Uh, if you don't come off of that, you know, five goals shellacking that he took uh, last weekend. Uh, you know, it's interesting. You'll see how Hernan approaches it and how much rope he gives him. You know, because remember, Seitz was the backup to start the year. And you know, he said, you know, during immediate availability that, uh, you know, Kempen has earned the spot there, that he's, you know, the guy who's going to be out there backing up bill so we'll, we'll see how much rope he gets uh and, and again i agree with you first two goals uh certainly not on him uh i do wonder if again when you have goals in transition like that it's less organization from the keeper you know making sure people are marking up and picking up who they need to pick up uh but you do wonder if you miss some of that that leadership and that that voice back there making sure that everyone is set up where they need to be and just the confidence that you're going to be your defense is handling uh what's coming at you uh you saw a couple of moments of disorganization there and new england definitely made us pay with you know three second half goals there yeah i thought kid would look pretty good in the first half you know it was kind of one of my notes the first half was was a totally different ball game than the second half and, and we'll get into that 
you know, a little bit here as, as we go. But I, I thought Kevin had a great first half, and it joined in defense was uh, Chris Duya Chim, who got his first start uh, of 2021. Uh, Griffin Yao, the other name on the on the team sheet tonight, with their first out start of the season. Um, and I thought uh, good games out of both of them uh, until you know the very end. It looked like Chris started to run out of gas. Um, but seeing this lineup going away to uh, pains me to say this, but league leading New England, I wasn't expecting a whole lot. Uh, and, and that first half was, was, was glorious. First half was a blast. Uh, you know, I'm not sorry to cut you off Joshua, but you know, frankly, when you look at a, a first half like that, I think all of us had that feeling of we probably needed to get more than just the one goal out of it. You know, certainly you regret seeing Paul go off that early with injury and, you know, hope he's nursing that and back to health uh, real quickly. But uh, there were plenty of opportunities where this team could have put two, three goals in and frankly had the game well in hand by halftime. But with only a one goal lead playing against the league leaders, a team that's shown they can score a lot of goals. uh, I don't think we ever thought that one was going to be enough and, Clearly, it wasn't. Yeah, it, it was tough. I was watching. I'm, I'm still t- technically in Virginia, but out of the market. So I was listening to the Revs broadcast, and even Charlie Davies was giving us props for how we came out and, and pressured, and we were really pushing for the goal. And then, then we got one and, and still kind of carried on. And then, yeah, the second half happened. and That was a different story. Yeah, you know, before we leave that first half, though, uh, Michael, you mentioned some, some opportunities to score more goals. You know, Felipe in the 16th minute had, had a great chance in on frame. He, he should, should have played the final pass, you know, speaking of Ted Lasso references on with this team. Uh, he chose not to. Actually, probably could have done it on two separate touches. Thanks for the patience, folks. Just another moment or two. Appreciate it. And thanks for the update, Zach. Uh, and uh, But Felipe didn't miss shot there in the 16th. And also showing out in that first half, I thought Edison Flores had a great showing tonight. It almost looked like he was in command of the game there in that first half, creating chances and taking on a couple himself. I, I, I think it was his best minutes in a DC United shirt. Uh, definitely probably his best 15 for sure. I, I know he's hit a couple set piece goals that that were amazing for, you know, they count, right? But that, that ball in the areola was what we were looking for right that's that's what we uh, that's what we lost when our last number 10 left and, and you know floors is wearing the 10 now and we haven't seen that ball until now and and he has been injured and he has gone through uh incredible process with the whole covid thing and, and a new coach uh and, and then he got hurt this year and so hopefully you know this is his first game back from a hamstring injury hopefully this is the edison flores that was promised you know yeah, I, I like seeing you know Edison get the chance to, to play the ten. You know, we've kind of had to move him around a couple of times. He's played on the wing. He's you know he's played the ten, but hasn't really seemed comfortable. Uh, but in this game, you know, it definitely looked like he understood the role he was being asked to play. He was the playmaker. Uh, you saw that you know come to fruition on that first goal where you know he takes the ball off New England defense at the at midfield and uh, you know threads that ball through to Paul. With, a very difficult pass to make. And I was impressed throughout with Flores' first touch. You could see that the quality that we've, you know, expected coming in and that we've seen all too rarely. So hopefully this is a chance for Edison to, to, to get off and really have a, you know, great wrap up 
into the second half of the season. Yeah, and you know, as as we approached halftime, DC United go in one nil, controlling most of the game. Changes were absolutely made by Bruce Arena. You know, he he brought in Buchanan, Buxa, and and Emma Boateng, DC United legend, uh, at halftime to really change things up. I, my question to you guys is: was was there something you would have liked to have seen Lasada do at halftime to to either further lock down the control of the game that we had, or perhaps press the accelerator even further and, and, and get a second or third. I think for me, um, it really depends on what his evaluation was going in. You know, obviously this was a lineup that was not a first choice lineup. You know, it was great to see a lot of these guys get an opportunity to get out there. And who knows, some of these guys may end up being uh, best 11 for us you know, down the stretch, but mm-hmm. it was definitely guys who hadn't been getting a lot of playing time and were getting a chance to, to, to slot in and show what they can do. Uh, so for me, I really would have to defer to your uh, your training staff looking at the numbers, saying, "Hey, you know, these guys have accumulated a lot of minutes." Uh, you saw a guy like Gressel come on in the second half, who has been running himself to death basically yeah. every game this season. Uh, so, you know, if you're looking at it and saying that the load numbers are so high that you you need to get another 15, 20 minutes out of your starters, uh, again, at that point, you're up one zero. You're really controlling the game fairly well. I don't know if you need to make drastic subs there. Uh, I, then once things uh, start getting out of control there with that first five, ten minutes of the second half, uh, you saw the adjustments that they made. But I don't think that there was a necessarily a halftime sub that had to come in. Yeah, I, I was just looking through the bench and trying to see who on there would, would come in and sure things up, and there's – like the only real defenders I can see are, are Julian Gressel, who's more of an attacking great. And he came on and they had a couple half chances. And then Tony Alfaro, who uh, he's been hot and cold a little bit this season. And yeah, I don't know if he's the one to come in. Had a really rough showing at the weekend. Up. And coming up an injury too. True. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, I don't think there's, there was too much. We can't, I don't think this was a Bruce beat or non thing. I think that, that, Rev's roster is just at a better place than ours right now, and they were able to utilize that, especially health wise. And, and you know, as I look at, look forward to hearing from Hernan Lasada here in just a few moments. I'll be interested to see sort of where he's at mentally right now. I mean, this was a, a game where he probably assumed New England was going to rest some players, so assumed correctly. You jump out to that lead at halftime, you got to be talking about either stealing three points or at least getting one. And then to see those three players come on right at halftime, I mean, the immediate thought has got to be New England's going for it. And, and like you said, you know, two goals in four minutes, um, not too long after, I think, 49 and, and 53. And they were both great goals by New England, you have to say. Um, Lasada forced into making a couple of changes. And I, I don't think either of those changes are, are necessarily going to impact sort of the rest that he hoped to get those players tonight. They, by the time those subs came on, the game was already, you know, at least an hour in. Um, but I'll be interested to see if, if, you know, did Lasada get the rest he'd hoped out of this game? And, and you know, how, how is the team handling a second straight defeat on the road after taking the lead? Yeah. Yeah. Joshua, sure, sure. I'll go for it. Yeah, I will. Something just I'm curious about is whether the the blame ends up falling on on these defenders because at, at some point you have to just excuse it that these are new guys rotating every every game. Like 
I need the midfielders to help them out or something. And the, the second goal comes off of a, a late run into the box, and that's got to be closed down by someone not in the back line, hopefully. And, and I don't know. I, I can't. You can't really blame Chris Odietz for for a performance when he, yeah, hasn't played for DC United hardly all the past what two, three years. Yeah, I, specifically the goal you're talking about. I took a note here. Felipe had the ball taken pretty much pedestrianly straight off his foot uh, to to create that chance. So I, that was I remember yelling out at the TV about Felipe, what are you doing? And next thing you know, uh, they're in. So yeah, you're right. Midfield giveaway, a defensive midfield giveaway at that, setting a back line that's already on its last legs uh, up to fail there at the end was tough. Uh, Michael. No, I, I, that's that's right on. I mean, I think Felipe generally had a solid game defending, aside from a few uh, head scratching moments there. Going forward, it was another story entirely. Uh, seemed to be pushing a bit, and the whole team was you know down the stretch. Uh, it, it, it was a frustrating uh, experience for us because obviously, you know, if you, you go into halftime, you have that one zero lead, you're up on the league leaders. You know, frankly. If you didn't tell anyone where the teams were on the table, uh, you would not have said that going in to that into halftime that New England is running away with the table and running away with the, the league this year and DC United's uh, scrapping, trying to stay in, in contact. Uh, it, it was a, a frustrating evening all around. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, DC United was on life support really from the 60th minute on. Uh, massive save by Kempen after it appeared that the back line actually played a revolution player on side uh, there in the 66th minute. It was, it was probably Kempen's best moment of the night. And then just two minutes later, Briant save off the line uh, to, again, to kind of keep DC United in it. And and then right after that, three minutes later, New England gets a second yellow card to Trustage. I can't pronounce that last name. And. <laughs> Joshua was shaking his head. You got it? No, no idea. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> uh, yeah, I got nothing. New, New England player got a second yellow card. Uh, and, you know, I saw something on Twitter. One of our friends tweeting out about, you know, come on, score a goal. We're up a man. We can do this, right? Right? And, and it, always in the back of my mind, DC United just does not play well up a man. Uh, and, and they had a couple of chances tonight. But they also managed to ship a goal. Um what are your thoughts on on sort of how the game played out at the end as we continue to wait for Hernan Lozada? Well, you know, contrary to your opening, we did get that goal right at the uh, at the death, <laughs> which you know a, a little bit too late to to do much about it. So, you know, credit to Avila to, for coming on and opening his you know, DC United account with you know, what, what, frankly, it was a a solid strike. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what we get out of him moving forward. Uh, but yeah, again, it's once you gave up that third goal, uh, that really erases the advantage of having an extra man out there. You know, New England was not going to be seeking to send players forward. They, I think they, they took off Gustavo goal up up top uh, to bring on another defender. At that point, they're just going to sit back and let you come at them. And while we got the one, you know, again, way too late to make a difference. Yeah, it's super frustrating to me. I, I can take... I can almost take the five goals at, at Nashville on the chin better because Kimpin just had a, a shocker, right? Yep. The, the giving up a goal while up a man 
against it's almost unexcusable for me. And and then it, it literally would have gotten us a point because Abil, yeah, he just absolutely smacks it. And, and you can talk about game states whether that would have happened if the Rebs are only up two one. It doesn't matter, but. That it's so frustrating to me. You you should not. You, it should always be an embarrassment to concede wall of a man, just because, especially a goal like that where it was just uh, bad defending, and, and you just eventually the Reds get a shot on target. And so uh, that that's what upsets me the most is 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 giving up the goal. If it had been two one and, and finished like that, uh, then that would have sucked. But you know, uh, Reds would have bunkered and, and we wouldn't have. But giving up a goal when you're down a man is is got to be frustrating. And, and it'll be interesting to see if. The, if are not as pressed about that. Michael. Oh, I, I think you're exactly right. Uh, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. The, the, the actual shot, you know, perhaps, you know, you, you know, understand that it was a guy in space at the top of the box and he took a shot well, but, you know, I had tried to blank out of my mind the, the buildup to that. You know, they had a long period of moving the ball around the box, passing around, very much looked like they were the team that had the extra man uh, and then finally were able to put it in. But at no point did we really seem to, to shut down the attackers or find a way to really make it difficult for them even. Uh, and if you give a team with the quality that New England has shown this year that amount of time and that many chances to you know, find an opening, they're, they're going to find it and you know, DC United pay for it. Yeah, and as we look around on this Soccer Wednesday, uh, the Philadelphia Union just had a, had a win at home. At Jim, Jim Curtin's men moving forward, and it looks like Miami are on pace to uh, steal a late winner as Ron Lasada will Four join us now live. We'll like head over to, there. Uh, have some opening remarks? Yes. Hi, Zach. Uh, <clears throat> it, was, it was another exciting game. Um, of course, for me, it's exciting and fun when, when you take points. Uh, but I think for the neutral support, there was was a very good game. And to, to, to show uh, this level, especially in the first half against the leader, not only in the East, but the best team at the moment in all MLS, it's, it's, it's great. It makes me very proud. So it's, I, I have to congratulate the, the guys especially what they did uh, on the first half was was amazing. Um, and we scored a very nice goal on a transition moment, on a very, on the right moment, we press them, we recover the ball, we go vertical. For the first time we can play with both uh, designated players on the field, but that was only 10 minutes. And, um, and well, you go to the halftime with the advantage of one goal when it could possibly be two or three goals. I know they also had chances, but on transition, we made we made wrong decisions. And and I think at a certain moment, it's also about quality because when you see the way they score and the quality on their transitions, and you compare with other our transition moments, uh, it's 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 the difference is too big. But I would like to to keep the positive. That is is a lot. Um, playing on the road against the leader and having 18, 19 shots uh, with nine shots on goal, more corners, more, more, more situations, uh, more scoring opportunities, and 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 well, going back with zero goals, with zero points is it's hard. But we scored twice on the road today, twice 
on the road against Nashville. And well, I think uh, um, we concede again too many goals. Um, goals that we can that you can predict. Goals that you can do better. But in every situation when uh, we or them score a goal, it's because of a fault. It's because of a mistake. It's because of bad defending. So. Uh, like we could avoid our goals, probably they could also avoid their goals. And um, many different moments that could change the the, the, the results with the two one and being eleven against ten. I think Avila has two huge chances. Um, we had also a huge transition moment with Jordi and Eddie that Eddie shot in the middle of the goal instead of choosing a post. Uh, and on those moments. When you score, well, it's it's a totally different game. I, I even believe that we could go on the halftime with one more goal difference. But in general, um, uh, it's hard. It's hard to get because I, I don't think we deserve to go back to DC with with no points. And, and now it's a matter of uh, do our best on, on, on the next two home games. Uh, we made some choices uh, today. In terms of um, saving some players for Saturday, I think New England did the same. It's it's very tough to play on the road when you only have two days in between games, um, and when your opponent, like New England today, got an extra free day to recover. Uh, but well, we need to to try to put the eleven guys who are uh, able to give intensity for ninety minutes uh, and think about Atlanta. Thanks, Coach. We'll go to Steve Goff first. Don, um, after you went up one man um, in the 72nd minute, did you feel like you were in a good position to, to at least get a point out of this? And, and does that leave you disappointed that, given that situation, you were not able to, to get at least that point? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. When the other team scored in transition, when you are one man, one man up on the field. Uh, it's it's hard, and when you see the, the chances we had with with the score one two, of course we we were close to to take a point. And even when you score the two two, I'm I'm a coach who at that moment will go full for the three points. That's that's my mentality, and that's how I try to teach my players to play to go always for more. And and I'm sure that if we score that equalizer, we we were we were pushing our team uh, until the last second to go for the for the victory, but unfortunately, yeah, it's it's about scoring goals, and and they were a lot more efficient. Uh, the people who came in in the second half was on another level, Buchanan, uh, Buxa, uh, and even Boateng playing that fantastic assist. They came up with the right energy, with with the right intensity, and and well. They made a difference. We'll go to Jason Anderson. Hi, Arnon. Thanks for speaking with us. Um, I wanted to ask, uh, you mentioned how well the team played in the first half. Um, it seemed like a lot of the chances were coming from the turnovers you were able to create, uh, maybe by catching New England by surprise in the midfield and breaking out from there. Those chances, it seemed like you got fewer of them as the game went on. Um, what did you see that changed after halftime that caused that uh, to to sort of play out like that? 
the changes they made, probably. The players they have uh, on the bench that um, usually are starting 11s and they are definitely in another level. That's why they are first. So that was the main change, I, I guess, in efficiency and, and in transition and, 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 and the quality of finishing the chances they have compared with the quality of the finishing of our chance. Good Alonso Contreras. Thank you, Zach. ¿Cómo está, profesor? Una derrota que duele por lo, por lo bien que venía el equipo jugando los primeros 45 minutos. Pero se vio una dupla de Reina y Flores que creaba peligro constantemente. Y le quería preguntar cómo vio esa dupla y a la misma vez es que el viernes es la convocatoria de la selección y podría perder jugadores que le ha costado a tener en el equipo de, uh, de vuelta. Gracias. A la dupla, bueno, sabemos que viene de una lesión de hace mucho tiempo. Para mí, que una dupla ande bien significa hacer goles y ser eficiente. Y esto hoy nos faltó. Así que, eh, obviamente, dentro de las posibilidades, eh, creo que, que hicieron todo lo, lo posible para aguantar la pelota, para generar contragolpes. Eh, pero creo que, que el hecho de haber perdido a Paul a los 10 minutos se sintió y es un jugador que tiene otra energía, que tiene otra velocidad, y, y seguramente con él, con él en cancha podríamos haber generado aún más de lo que generamos, pero bueno, espero que puedan seguir eh, eh, creciendo desde lo físico, eh, desde lo colectivo, y bueno, con la convocatoria no sé, si se van sería una lástima, porque no siento que estén ninguno de los dos al 100%, eh, y sabemos también el, el riesgo que significa que vayan a la selección, donde eh, bueno, ten tenemos malas experiencias con jugadores yendo a la selección, eh, en este caso con los jugadores que fueron a la selección de Estados Unidos, que han regresado casi todos lesionados, así que esperemos que en caso de que sean convocados, que se cuiden y que puedan regresar eh, al menos en las mismas condiciones en las que se fueron. Coach, that's it. Thank you very much. Thank you. That's the United's head coach, Hernan Osada, joining us uh, here. And uh, it sounds like in just a few moments we're going to be hearing from Felipe. Uh, so we'll we'll get ready for that in just a second. But lots to talk through from what uh, Hernan Osada had to say there. He's opened up in a, a quite more optimistic tone than I thought, you know, talking about scoring two goals in two consecutive games on the road. Um, I'd like your thoughts on that and also on the fact that he, he noted that it's the first time DC United has had both of their DPs on the field at the same time even though it only lasted for about 10 minutes. I, I was a little shocked, uh, especially with the optimistic tone. I, I think, and, and this is just me speculating off of what I heard, I don't think he expected much from it. I mean, the guy literally has to walk around and see Bruce Arena's trophies everywhere, and, and he, I guess he's heard the, the myth, the legend that is Bruce Arena, and he sees the revs on the top of the league. So maybe, maybe he didn't expect much from this game. Um, but yeah, I was expecting more of a, oh, we let this one get away from us kind of tone, but he seemed encouraged that the team almost shocked that the team, uh, was able to get one up and, and almost, well, yeah, outplay the revs in the first half. And then, yeah, he wasn't too shaken up by the loss. Uh, it seemed he was okay with, with, you know, uh, the revs having better quality on the bench is something he, he cited. So it does. Um, uh, Hey, Felipe. Looks like also, we're going to head back to Felipe. Yes, all good. 
All right, we'll go to Steve Goff first. Steve. Felipe, thanks. Thanks for your time. Um, given all the circumstances, this, this was going to be a very tough match for you, um, playing on short rest and, and against the, the best team in the league so far. But given all that, you were in a good position. So you scored an early goal. You had a man advantage late. What What is the level of, um, uh, of disappointment after not getting a, a point out of this match? Oh, I believe the uh, first half we, we are in control. We score a goal. And then obviously they had a couple of chances, but we are in a good uh, good position. We we shift well. We are in a block. We are able to counter. Um, unfortunately, we couldn't score the second goal. And second half, uh, I think individual mistakes, uh, including mine, on the second goal. Um, they score um, in transition. I think. Uh, can you hear me? Yes. Is it frozen? Mm-hmm. We can hear those, Sam. Looks like we're having some technical difficulties here uh, at the moment with the now press conference. If you can hear us. Let's pull out of that one. We'll give uh, we'll give them a chance to to sort that out and if we can go back to Felipe we will uh but Michael I want to give you a chance to react to uh Hernando Sada's thoughts yeah I struggle with the observation saying oh well this is the first time we had our two DPs on the on the field yes that, that's true that's you know certainly how it works and we do tend to dwell on uh you know, players' relative values and acquisition costs, and you know, use the dollars to substitute in for the play. But at the same time, the entire season, Hernan's been telling us that it's all about the system that he wants to bring in, and all about the style of play, and that's his goal, and that he's attempting to accomplish that. And it's not about what one person does; it's what you know everybody does, playing their role, and, you know, making sure that the press works, uh, and so on and so forth. So then to start with an observation about the uh, relative monetary value of the players out there kind of rings a bit disingenuous to me. Uh, again, uh, it, it, these post-match availabilities are, are tough because you're coming off of a, you know, an emotional 90 minutes that you've, you've built up for. And uh, I think I agree with Joshua that if you had asked Hernan before the match, he wasn't really expecting to walk away with anything. Uh, you know, at halftime, maybe you readjust that expectation. And I think we as fans were certainly thinking, hey, you know, this is a chance for something really cool to happen here. But obviously, it didn't work out. Uh, and again, I don't know if we're going to get a Felipe back or not, but I do appreciate his uh, mea culpa on one of the second half goals. Uh, it's always nice to see a player stepping up and, and owning uh, both the good and the bad. Yeah, Felipe continued to, to endear himself to me at least because uh, I was yelling at the TV for that, and, and he knew it was uh, <laughs> it was certainly not what he intended to do. But um, yeah, I I was just as surprised, uh, you know, about about Lasada's reaction to this. But there's something that's been sticking with me the last couple of weeks in listening to these press conferences is that Lasada's kind of been telling us all season that his goal was to play his style by the end of this season. That's what he wanted to do. He didn't want to talk about playoffs. He didn't want to talk about any sort of expectations other than that. 
and you know wasn't necessarily what we wanted to hear at the beginning of the year. I don't think, um, and especially after the first couple of weeks when they were they were flying pretty high, um, we were like, well, we could we could do this. And then we had a little bit of a lull, and then all of a sudden we just went on a nice you know winning streak there, playing pretty well. Um, find ourselves in, in in a playoff position right now. The question I think amongst a lot of the fans is like, well, why would we? Why would playoffs not be the goal at this point in the season with where we're at? Um, but I wonder if, if that's still where Lasada's mind is, and and that is still an attainable goal, very much so by the end of the season to have this this side of players, which we've talked at nauseum about, is probably not Lasada's top choice MLS roster, right? Uh, playing his style. If you get in the playoffs, great. But if next season you come out of the gate with your team ready to rock and roll, is that maybe more where he wants to be? And and if that's where his mentality is right now, um, hey, maybe he, maybe he is looking at the positives of it's two games in a row we scored two goals on the road without our top choice keeper with a decimated back line. Maybe there is a silver lining in there. Uh, as much as I hate to ship seven, eight. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of points, I, and I was particularly. I, and I, look, we always got to preface. We get pretty nitpicky on this podcast. We're in the deeps. If you're watching this, you probably know everything about all the players that start on the field tonight. So, yes, uh, Ernan Lasada has done a great job, but I, I'm a little bit tired of the excuses kind of thing. I, I thought we would be out of the face, especially John, as you said, after we came out of that lull and had a good stretch where we were climbing, shooting through the playoffs. Uh, and, and, you know, these two road losses is kind of shaking up. But at the beginning of this game, when DC United went out, Charlie Davis said that this DC United team looks like they could beat anyone. And I, I don't think he was far off. They, they they certainly can show up. And I think that will be especially true when we, we have a little bit more health in the squad and, you know, maybe, maybe Abila goes on a run or, or, or whatever. But, yeah, I, I'm a little bit uh, – a little bit peeved at the, the references to squad spending and, and – Oh, they had an extra day of training, and therefore, like that's. <laughs> I'm over that's, that. I'll tell you, I'm over that. <laughs> maybe, the, maybe we were just spoiled with Benny because he he knew all this stuff. That's the only stuff he, he's ever known, really. Uh, and Lasada is, is still kind of growing used to those things. So, yeah. Hopefully, yeah. I, I I think I think you're right. Maybe maybe we get a little bit healthy. We go on a run. We we stop caring about the excuses because we're winning again. The the MLS schedule makers are, are absolutely living rent free in or not Masada's head. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with that frustration. Uh, you know, he does tend to talk quite a bit about the, the scheduling, and it's true that it's an unbalanced schedule. It's not a schedule where you're playing every weekend, and it's a, it's also a schedule like wait till you tell them that you don't play everyone twice, and yeah. you know, some people are traveling across the country, <laughs> and uh, some of those other elements. Uh, that might pop up in a, a different year, uh, so it, it it does get tiring to, to hear those explanations on, offered up. But you know, it is also useful to know where his head's at. You know, because if he's talking about the schedule, he's not talking about individual players. You know, he, you've seen that he's very hesitant to criticize individual guys. Uh, so at that point, there's only so much you can talk about aside from saying, you know, team did well, team did poorly. Like there's only so much he's going to be able to talk about. So if that's the thing that's the foremost on his mind, then I guess that that is what's going to be, uh, you know, to your point, John, it's very clear that Lasada's goal for the season is to uh, get the team playing the way he wants it to play. Uh, 
uh, I think all of us would like to see that and can go a step beyond because that that's a long-term goal. Like it happens game by game. It happens, you know, segment by segment of how the game is being played and how that ends up translating from his vision to the players. Uh, but you'd also like to see, you know, in individual situations in games where you go down one or games where you're up one, uh, like you were today, uh, see what kind of coaching adjustments he makes. And I'm not necessarily faulting him for uh, coaching decisions on, on the day. I think New England showed that they were the best team in the league with their performance in the second half there. But uh, I, I, the upshot of uh, that long ramble is to say that uh, I'd like to see Lasada's individual uh game coaching ability on top of that building a system out for the, the longer term. Yeah. I mean, I, I think across the board, you know, Sam's not here to point it out tonight, but I, I want to be very clear. It, we're all team Lasada, And, uh, you know, we heard some folks this weekend at the game grumbling a little bit about Lasada's choices against Nashville and, and wondering how things would be different if, if Olsen was still around. And, and I think at least I'm well past that, you know, at the beginning of the year, it was easy to do kind of comparisons of, what might Benny have done in this game versus Hernan? But looking at this point in the season, I, I'm I'm thrilled with where Hernan has the team playing. And, and aside from Joshua, like you said, the little nitpicks on the show sometimes, um, I definitely think we're moving in the right direction. And yeah, I, I, I'm so excited to see a true off season where even if it's not tons of cash that's splashed, I mean, I hope it is. But um, I, I think between Lucy Rushton and and uh, or not Masada, even getting coffee, beers, some drinks several times this offseason, finding the right players to come into the system. They'll find a way to make it work on, on the budget we have. And next season, the expectations are going to be a lot higher than implementing the system. And, you know, talking about player acquisition, you know, at the end of the day, the bottom line is going to, to rule out on those. But it does help if a player is evaluating different places where he might have offers. If you're playing a system that has fun, if you talk to the players and you know, they say, yeah, he, he runs us to death, but you know, we go out there and everyone knows the role they're supposed to play. And, you know, we have doing it, we score goals. It's, you know, it's always more fun when the team is playing well, but uh, when the team is playing fun, that, that can translate as well into, you know, particularly with some of those players that we expect DC United to be targeting, uh, they're not going to be walking in and uh, backing up the armored truck to uh, roll in a record signing necessarily. And in, in most cases, it's guys that are you know may have options or maybe uh, veterans who are looking for uh, more than just that paycheck. So uh, there's value to what he's saying. I, I think I agree with you that uh, critics of that are perhaps a, a bit too early, but we are halfway through a season and. Uh, Everyone's entitled to their opinion, I suppose. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd even go as far to say that we we don't need the big money signing. That I think we do need the depth. The depth is what's kind of been hurting us here in the middle of the season. And until the solid point, the the ten minutes that our two DPs were on the field together, they combined and scored a goal. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and, you know, so we have a left winger in Flores, a right winger in Areola, and a Golden Boot contender at strikers. So I don't know where someone would want to spend all this sort of money. I, I think. Uh, there's there's questions for the midfield, but uh, I I think we got a good set of guys, and I think health and and, and depth is where we need to move on. And, and we're way too far away from the off season to be talking about. I, I guess technically the summer window just closed, so we we had a chance there. But uh, 
we're way too far from the offseason to be starting about wholesale changes. But yeah, I, I, I'm not mad, and, and, and I, I have high expectations for this this last bit of the season too. I, I really think if we get healthy and, and and keep playing the way we've been playing, and if, for the love of everything, someone finished one of Russell's chances, I think <laughs> we'd be on a great great path. Yeah, but you know, before we leave tonight's game, we obviously have to to select a man of the match. But I want to very quickly ask both of you. We talked a lot about depth. We've talked a lot about injuries. Is the combination of the injury crisis we're in for the tenth time this season, plus the lack of depth, is that the the re- the the sole reason for the the two collapses in the last two games? Personally, I would I would say no. so. I, I would say so. I, I think yes. This is what you wanted, John. Exactly what I wanted. <laughs> uh, uh, I I think so. I I think because New England came out tonight with 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 subs of their own, and and they might be a better team right now. I, I think hands down that they are. Uh, we saw that last season, and we're seeing it again this season. They're they're on, as Black put it in our show doc, they're on pace to set a regular season the points record. Uh, but they they had people missing, and we had people missing. So I think quality amongst those pieces uh, would would have helped. Michael? Yeah, I mean, New England was missing Carlos Yield today, and uh, he's a guy who has been tearing up the league as far as assists and key passes. Uh, he's leading by a wide margin in, in the key pass uh, stat. Uh, but yeah, they've been generally healthy and have benefit from that. I don't think that the that these two games occurred like uh, you know, in the manner they did because of a lack of depth. Uh, you know, you had two very different lineups out there. Uh, these things are going to happen when you play the system that Lasada wants to play. You're going to be vulnerable in the counterattack. Um, we saw, frankly, some better defending earlier in the season, but it's also these two games that we just had, you know, versus Nashville and versus New England, are teams that are at the top of the standings in the Eastern Conference and are up there for a reason. And you know, we talked about during that stretch, uh, you know, May through June and into early July, where you play Miami twice, you're playing Toronto. It's it's a different level when you're talking about playing the league leaders and, and a team like Nashville that I think is still top three in, in, in the conference as well. Uh, they're teams that when you give them opportunities, they're going to find a way to, to shove it down your throats. So, again, I don't think it's necessarily a question of we weren't deep enough and therefore that cost us. I think it's really the team is still building into what they need to be and understanding that they're living on the edge of a knife when they're you know, pressing up as high as they do. And you're going to have results that happen like this. Uh, unfortunately, you have two in a row here and in frustrating fashion when you're up 1-0 in, in both games. But I'm also quite certain that the, the staff is going to sit down with the players and walk them through why it happened and uh, hopefully come up with an answer because we got a tough game coming up on Saturday too. Yeah, it doesn't get much easier. I, I My take on that, really, really quickly, I think if Russell Knauss and Bill Hamid were available and able to play in both games, we're looking at somewhere between two and four points instead of zero. Um, but there, there's a lot to be a lot to be desired in terms of depth uh, and, and, and health on, on this roster. Tonight, man of the match, I, I get flack because I don't start this segment off enough, so I will go first tonight. Um, and I'll give it to Edison Flores. I showed my hand early in the show. I thought, uh, Joshua, as you said, it, it was probably his best performance uh, in the black and red. He looked comfortable. He looked in command. Second half, 
disappeared a little bit, um, but and then I believe he was subbed off if I remember correctly. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll verify that. But um, yeah, I thought it was a good good start for for Flores and hopefully um, a sign of things to come moving forward. Yeah, um, I think for me, uh, I have a hard time going anywhere other than Edison as well. I thought, you know, like we said, he had one of his best games uh, and it was really controlling the, the, the pace of play, controlling and being that playmaker, creating opportunities. Uh, again, first half we should have scored several more goals and a lot of that was from what Edison was doing. And you could even tell that he still wasn't quite back to 100%. You know, maybe physically he's there, but, you know, there's a lot that comes from getting game minutes and game awareness. Uh, and I, I was impressed with what I saw. And I think, for me, I, I'm giving me hopeful man of the match. Uh, and a shout-out to Abila for getting his uh, account open with us, and hopefully that leads to more, many more things to come. He came off in the 67th minute, by the way. Joshua? Black, don't you have an issue with giving man of the match people who get subbed off? Uh, I don't know. I, I'll have to go back <laughs> in the records there. Um, for me, uh, before, yeah. Fred Royale okay, has saved probably more. Than... <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Fred Briant has, has probably saved as many goals as, as Joe Kippen in the past two games. Uh, I thought he was really good tonight. I, I don't know if he was man of the match already, but I, I thought I'd give him a shout. Yeah, it's, it's Edison Flores. For me as well. <laughs> you can't get into uh, a defendership in eight goals in two games. <laughs> uh, no, you can't. I, I don't know how many of those were on Briant. I don't know. Anyways, yeah, I, I'm giving it to Edison Flores. Like, yeah, we talked about a different player than what we've seen before. And I'm really excited to see, unfortunately, him without Paul now, but hopefully more of Flores uh, as we go forward. Hey, it might have been 11 yeah. without Fred, and we'd probably have one less on the board. Go ahead, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no uh, all in good fun. Uh, but I do, I appreciate the observation there on on Fred because you know beginning of the season you're looking at it, hoping that Fred's not spending a whole lot of time on the on the field, and here we're playing two of the best teams in the conference, and you know injuries and whatnot has combined to put Fred out there, and he's you know been serviceable. Uh, I, I I have a bigger problem with giving a player of the match to a defender when you're giving up three goals than I do about uh, giving to a guy who gets stepped off. Uh, <laughs> but looking at, again, we'll, we'll talk about the other guys who did, who played a full 90, you know, Morris Gundrich, Felipe, Bermba Briant, uh, Adouya Chem and Kempen. Uh, yeah. It's, it's still Flores for me. Yeah. Well, as, as we look around the grounds tonight, uh, Loudon hosted Indy 11 on uh, 7.03 night, which was awesome, and I probably would have driven out there if we didn't have this game tonight. $7 ticket, $3 like beer and food situation, and they blew out the Indy 11 4-1. Goals have been coming for this team all season long. Uh, I think we've all watched our share of Loudon, and, and finally to see it happen, it was, uh, it, was, it was a sight to see. I don't know if any of you had a chance to, to second screen it. I'm you know, a like, house. Barely enough internet for one screen, John. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was too busy watching our, our opponent for this weekend. Uh, did not have the third screen for Loudon, so I apologize. <laughs> well, they looked good. You can take my word for it. Uh, the Spirit are home uh, against the Pride on Sunday. That's at Audi Field this weekend, the day after. DC United take on the other United uh, Atlanta on Saturday night at 8 p.m. And... Uh, it's a big game, you know. We thought Atlanta were were 
potentially done and dusted early in the season, but a coaching change and uh, a player who's been one of the best players in the league now put back in the lineup, being held out for reasons that escape me. Atlanta are, 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 are back in business. What do you guys think for this weekend? Uh, yeah, Joseph's definitely back. I saw on Twitter that uh, he had tried a scorpion kick at some point in, in, in this game today. Uh, so, so he's feeling good about the hammy. Uh, it'll be interesting, and, and it's, it's shaping up to be a good game. Everyone should definitely head out. Yeah, you know, this will be the first game for uh, their new coach, Gonzalo Pineda, who is, uh, again, a, a potential target for D.C. in the offseason. Uh yeah, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, there's no secret that I watch a lot of Atlanta games, and uh, they're a scary team. You know, if if Coach if Coach Lasada is upset about the uh, dollar value of our players out there, he is uh, really going to be uh, sporting a bit when you see uh, players like Joseph and Barco and uh, their new uh, striker from Lille, uh or sorry, from Lille, uh Arahu out there. It's going to be. Uh, it's going to be a challenge, but I'm looking forward to, to seeing the game, and uh, it's always a blast when these two teams get together. It'll give Lasada more to talk too to. Much, go. No, go ahead, Joshua. Yeah, you can't you can't complain too much because we basically bought their entire scouting department. I think and <laughs> that's I right. Brought them over here. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was going to say. It'll give him and and Rushton and the scouting department all just a, a list of things to talk to Levian about in the off season. And Yamil and Gressel. <laughs> <That's> and- right. <laughs> What do we miss, guys? Uh, Chris McCann as well. <laughs> oh man, that is, that is definitely not a player we've missed. <laughs> well, listen, thanks everyone for hanging out with us here on on a Wednesday night. Uh, we appreciate it. It's fun doing this again, um, and we look forward to what I can only assume will be uh, the morning after show on on Sunday morning as we recap uh, Atlanta United uh, against DC United. Right here on Tried and True, the DC United post-game podcast presented by Heineken.